Welcome to Bible Study, Parody, and Subversion in Matthew's Gospel. In the last four episodes, Jesus has been crossing boundaries in a campaign of healing. The crossings themselves are a kind of healing. We have also seen how the campaign for a new society a.k.a. the kingdom of heaven, creates a more equal social order. First, we saw John the baptizer making a way for common people to attain forgiveness and purity apart from the temple priests. Then we saw Jesus, who was baptized by John, also claiming authority regarding purity when he pronounced the leper clean. Jesus, a mere peasant, claimed the authority of the priests. Now, in this first passage in chapter 9, Jesus will more publicly and dramatically claim priestly authority, this time to release from sin. This healing, boundary-crossing, and democratizing of power and authority do not proceed without encountering resistance. As in most societies, the ruling classes have created laws and institutions to accrue power and wealth to themselves. In chapter 9, Jesus encounters for the first time direct face-to-face opposition from the elites who oppose him in defense of their laws and institutions. My name is Bert Newton, and this is episode 19 of Bible Study, Parody and Subversion, in Matthew's Gospel. Let's read Matthew 9, 1-8. After getting into a boat, he crossed the sea and came to his own town. And just then some people were carrying a paralyzed man, lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Then some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus perceived their thoughts and said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Stand up, take your bed, and go to your home. And he stood up and went to his home. When the crowd saw it, they were filled with awe, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to human beings. Now, the modern Western Christian reader might be tempted to understand this story as being primarily about Jesus' divinity. Jesus is God, so he has the authority to forgive sins. The scribes don't believe in Jesus' divinity, so they think that he is blaspheming, putting himself in the role of God, claiming God's authority when he isn't God. But then we have that last line. When the crowd saw it, 
they were filled with awe, and they gave glory to God, who had given such authority to human beings. Matthew's punchline tells us that the issue is not really about Jesus' divinity, but rather his humanity, that he is a human being, that if he, a human being, can forgive sins, then so can other human beings. That last word of the passage is plural. If Jesus can forgive sins, as he just proved by healing the man, then other ordinary people can forgive sins too. They glorified God, who had given such authority to human beings. What is at issue in this story of healing and forgiveness is the issue of authority. Who has the right to speak for God? In ancient societies, that right or authority was one that the ruling establishments hoarded for themselves, usually through a network of priests and temples. Being able to speak for God or for the gods gave the rulers a highly effective psychological tool for maintaining social control over the people. But Jesus blows a gigantic hole in this web of ruling class dogma and sacerdotal deception. Normally, this paralytic would have to go to the priests and make the proper and fairly expensive sacrifice to have his sins forgiven. No one really knows how it all worked in practice in first century Galilee and Judea, but while people did pray to have their sins forgiven, these prayers had to be followed up at some point and in some way with a sacrifice at the temple, which was about 70 miles away, not an easy distance for a paralytic to travel in antiquity. The whole system of sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins, something not limited to Israelite society, by the way, this whole system presented a hardship on the common people. And forgiveness of sins was a matter of purity and impacted a person's social status. So official forgiveness was something that people needed in order to function day to day and to have good standing in society. As I've said before, forgiveness of sins was a socio-political event, both for nations and for individuals. And in the case of individuals, it was a matter of social and therefore also political standing. If human beings, if regular people had the power to forgive each other, to declare each other forgiven before God and the community, that was quite a democratizing of authority. Great news for the common peasantry. Speaking of peasants, some scholars believe that the idea that people could forgive each other in this way was a common peasant belief. So Jesus is once again affirming peasant practice rather than introducing a completely new idea. And this affirmation is great news in the narrative of this story. While the immediate challenge in this story is to the authority of the temple in Jerusalem, there are also overtones of challenge to the empire. I mean, going beyond the fact that the temple was a puppet government institution of Rome. In the Roman propaganda, Caesar is said to take away sins, and he was, in fact, the high priest of Rome. 
And Jesus here uses the title Son of Man for the second time in Matthew. As I explained in the last episode, Son of Man, as it is used in Matthew, comes from the book of Daniel, chapter 7, where it is a collective image for the people of Israel as they overcome empires that have oppressed them. When Jesus applies this title to himself, it serves not only as another way that Matthew communicates to the audience that Jesus embodies his people, but also that he leads them in resistance to the Roman Empire. The scene in Daniel 7 involves a sort of pop-up heavenly courtroom scene. God establishes this courtroom in the clouds and takes dominion or authority from the empires, the beasts, and gives it to the people of Israel. The people of Israel in this scene are symbolized with the image, one like a son of man. God takes authority from the beasts, the empires, and gives it to the Son of Man. Likewise, here in this story in Matthew, Jesus assumes legal authority, authority to forgive sins, authority that the Roman propaganda ascribes to Caesar. In other words, as in Daniel, dominion or authority is taken from the empire and given to the Son of Man. So Jesus usurps the authority of the Jerusalem priests, and maybe even Caesar, to forgive sins. And Matthew makes clear that the people's takeaway is that they now have that authority, the authority to declare each other forgiven, the authority to declare each other to be in good sociopolitical standing in society. In the next episode, Jesus will extend this good standing to one of the most despised groups in that society. My name is Bert Newton. The theme music for this podcast is provided by Bob Nolte and David Martin. And this has been episode 19 of Bible Study, Parody and Subversion in Matthew's Gospel. (laughs) 